This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the deputy editor and chief critic. Joined by Ann Thompson, our editor at large, who's back from her vacation and ready to get back into the swing of things. And well, first of all, Ann, tell us what it was like to just pull out completely in the middle of the summer from all this film stuff we're always digging through. I tried to do that, you know, but I was really I I took basically the four days off between, you know, after Fourth uh, of July. I I and I you know I did the Sunday box office on each week. I did a I wrote stories on each Sunday. You know it wasn't it really wasn't uh, that long. But I went to a spa and I did lots of exercising and uh, no sugar, no salt, no alcohol. It was very peaceful and relaxing, and I came back refreshed. Sometimes it is important to unplug from all this stuff, especially right now because it's a, it's only going to get crazier from here on out. And while we're still not fully immersed in the insanity of award season it's it's starting to take shape in the sense that there's some really early campaigning going on and a lot of buzz for the fall that's starting to take shape and you've actually been to a few of these uh award season gatherings for for some some of the movies that are already on the table and one of the one that I, ones that i think is most fascinating to to look at at this stage is something i wouldn't have even thought would be eligible or part of the conversation and that's this O.J. Simpson Made in America documentary, which is basically a miniseries. It's not, it's not one uh, documentary unless you watch it all in a theater, as some people have, but for many people, it's actually a five-part uh, series of, of, of installments about, uh, about O.J. Simpson's life. So, so what's it like to see something like that being presented as an Oscar contender? Well, I had the same uh, initial questions as you did. I went, but I kept hearing buzz about it. It debuted at Sundance, right? But it was seven and a half hours long. So very few people actually saw it there. You know, it was a big chunk of of time to take out of a festival when you could barely see all the things that you need to see. But it it played well there. Basically, what you have is you have ESPN, which has been doing those 30 for 30 things for for a long time, Um, you know, with Ava DuVernay and any number of people. So you have this sports network, and so there is an O.J. Simpson hook. Uh, It's almost like a Trojan horse, because it's not just about O.J. Simpson, although it goes in great, great detail from beginning to end, Um, of course, ending up with, with not just the trial, but the aftermath. Because you see him in jail. I mean, you see this guy who's behind bars for a long time. So basically, um, it's digging into Los Angeles and the police culture, the LAPD and the African-American community in Los Angeles over the years. And so if you have OJ as the star at USC, the football star, you know, the running back, the guy, that you know, the run, I now know <laughs> what that means, you know, run for the, the idea that, that he was running for his life. I get it now. Um, but he is uh, obviously a fascinating character 
in his own right as a football star, as this guy that became so such a big celebrity and such a fixture in in the sort of celebrity culture of Los Angeles living in Brentwood in an all white area that that he became and in his own mind was above race that well, he wasn't and, and, and black. that's that that famous line I'm not black I'm OJ I'm about exactly. a third of the way into this thing now and I've been watching it episodically so what's fascinating to me is that you know, yes, this movie is weighted with some of the defining issues of our time. It's a story that we have now enough uh, t- enough time has elapsed that we can analyze in much more detail. And it's also incredibly well structured, you know, beginning more or less in the present day and then flashing back step by step by step. It's almost like this year's boyhood or something in terms of the, the, the scope of it all. The ground but, that it covers, but also the idea, you know, that USC was this little enclave right smack in the center of many of LA's worst neighborhoods. The OJ was 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 an anomaly, but he but he, he he became a symbol for something that he really didn't personally feel. He became, you know, everybody plowed all of their projections on top of him. And the you know, everyone knew he was guilty and the actual tri- when you get to the trial and you get to what, you know, it it comes from a completely different angle for example, and of course the people at ESPN were upset when they found out that, that there was this other miniseries, the, the fictionalized version. But I actually think they're complementary. I mean, you, I agree. Fiction, the FX version is, I mean, it's, it's, it dances that line between trashiness and uh, kind of just It has really, a comedic element. Yeah, yep. just, but also just like a really engrossing drama. It just pushes for a certain kind of extreme, and it, it is sensationalistic, whereas this thing is more of so, almost like an academic approach. Uh, I guess what's, what's odd to me is that this is what people tend to talk about TV being a great format for, because you can, over the course of a series of episodes, do something you can't accomplish in a single package, it works episodically, and to hear it being spoken about as a documentary in the context of Oscar season would suggest that people are at least pushing for the understanding of it as a single feature film. And that Okay, is- let me explain that. So basically, ESPN started organically with Ezra Edelman, who's the son of Marion Wright Edelman. So he comes out of Washington. He's actually, uh, as you say, he's, a, he's an academic. He's a brilliant guy. And, and he's, they knew some of his work already on ESPN. And he, um, they gave him, you know, are you interested, four hours on OJ. And he kind of thought about it and came back to them and said, okay. And they went organically. So it became bigger and longer. And they saw what he did and they saw what he was doing. And they just let him go. And it, in his mind, because I spoke to him, at the, it is not um, one hour episodes at all. It was never structured that way. And he came up with the, the splits for the five parts, as you noticed, they're, they're, they're not in one hour increments. They're, there's, a, there's a long like three hour, then there's a three hour, then there's an hour and a half. And, and they're very, um, I mean, I'm, I'm a, that's how I saw it in a movie theater. It's, there's, they're broken into five parts, but they're all odd, odd lengths. They're not determined. And he figured that out and he edited it that way. And he wants it to be seen in theaters. Now we could argue, and it wasn't eligible for Emmys anyway. So they've gone for the Oscars. And uh, as far as I can see, there is absolutely no precedent. Uh, Showa was never, uh, which is longer, was never uh, an Oscar contender. 
Um, and there have been uh, movies that have been longer or, or, or long, but not like that. This is a, an un, unprecedented thing. But apparently it's eligible and it will it will be I think it'll get in. I think that everyone will see that and it is an unusual in, you mean you mean shortlisted. It will be it will be uh it will be short it will sh be shortlisted and and I think it will has a very good chance of 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 winning because it's going to be very difficult for anybody to find anything more timely m more rigorously intellectually um probing i mean that's the thing well it, it, and the it, other it, thing that that you're that's uh, seems pretty obvious is that this is something that everybody's watching and talking about in the way that say making a murderer people talked about in certain kinds of tv yeah. shows that just catch fire non-fiction shows which a, a documentary feature often does not i mean but this has an agitprop aspect to it which which is unusual because of our particular place and time that we occupy with this horrible violence that's going on and or you know everything around us the the racial divide the right. the the, the cops it, getting it, killed it the, starts in 68 the, and it cross all the people between get, black power right. and then oj kind of ignoring all that stuff and it does send a really strong message about why there is a disconnect there by dis by by digging into LA, d digging into the Watts riots, digging into the the sixties. You know, the go going into the uprising. You know, going through all of that stuff, which I and I came here in 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 the early eighties, so I lived through a lot of a lot of this stuff, and it's fascinating. You see, every time these people get off, the judges let these people off who should never. Have been uh, who should have been put in jail, and 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 you see the community just resigned, and so you see why justice became uh, mis you know it became redefined in the in the OJ case as, as it was it was something that had nothing to do with whether OJ was guilty or not. But the other thing that I think is kind of fascinating about this is a couple of years ago something like this it, it's it would seem as though a group like the academy wouldn't even want to consider it even if it were officially eligible because the idea of something this epic in scope and this much associated with the tv realm wouldn't enter into that conversation whereas now with these blurring of forms it could actually sort of epitomize how people are just watching everything in, in a more kind of democratic way all right. So the thing that I saw, the thing that you're bringing up a very, very good point. The 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 event that I went to, which was literally the first Oscar event of, of that I, you know, and they're getting out early because they want people to look at this thing. Any kind of campaigning is about getting people to see, you know, the material so that they can judge it for themselves. And if you have uh, this documentary branch, which has been burgeoning in past years, they've been inviting more and more people to to join it. And a lot of indies, a lot of, a lot of. Uh, people who um, might not have been en entering the academy before, um, you have, uh, you, they have to look at like 160 movies. So the big trick is to, but there were a lot of academy members there and they were very receptive, very, very uh, positive. And um, I think that they'll, that they, that they will go for it. But the, the question that you raise has to do with these, you know, they have to book the movie in, New York and L.A. They've changed the rules, so maybe it could be in a suburb of, as well. They have to get a review, you know, in either the New York or the L.A. Times. They have to, you know, it has to be somehow um, branded as a theatrical 
release. Now, obviously, they put it up on ESPN after they they showed it in theaters. They put it up. It's multi-platform uh, now. You can you can you can get it on all sorts of, of places, and 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 it's 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 it shows that the world we live in is 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 changed. But the Academy is still hanging on to you know this idea that that the documentaries that they are rewarding have to be movies, have to be theatrical movies. And this sort of thing is going on across the academy. You, know, you have to give them I mean, it, it's, it's a rule-based organization. And, the, and I can see that there is why there would be trepidation about widening those parameters. Because once you do that, you open up the floodgates, right? And then the Oscars could be the Emmys in a couple of years. Unfortunately, what we're really looking at is a world where these definitions, you know, somebody, I, you know, I think I've brought this up before. Somebody said to me, and you know, you're hung up on the two-hour movie, you know, uh, it's all filmed entertainment, you know, it's all one big stream, you know, no matter where you inhale it, no matter where you ingest it, um, and I and I think that the Academy is holding <laughs> back well, the the streaming hordes, you know, as hard as they can. But it's worth looking at some of the other possibilities that may be in consideration, or at least at this point seem to be in consideration for the Best Documentary Oscar, because if there is some pushback to the OJ thing because of the issues that we're talking about, then a movie like Gleason would probably have the leg up, right? I mean, that's a this very sentimental no, story. No, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure. The, the comparison would be... Um, Oh God! Uh, what was the Weinstein Co. Um, football movie? Very emotional. Very, thank you very much. Very That's the comparison. Caught people off guard. Yeah, that did catch people off guard, and it was a surprise. Um, in, in recent years, I would say the documentary branch has leaned toward. Uh, you know, even though they go for the occasional music doc like Twenty Feet from Stardom, but that had a that had a very um, that had a serious feminist side to it. You know, it was it was putting people in the limelight that had been in the darkness. Sure. You know, for a long time. And so, women of color, specifically. Absolutely correct. So, so there's there's a they're very serious. The documentary branch, and uh, and I I have to say that I was moved, and I'm, and I have to, and I uh, by Gleason. Gleason is the story of a football star who was diagnosed with ALS who decided that he and his wife, Michelle, would fight it and not, you know, he wouldn't just give up and, 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 and lay back and, and die, which is what the real prognosis for that is if you don't. Now, the example of the person who didn't do that was Stephen Hawking. Right. And you have to have, and so if you've seen Theory of Everything, you know, you've seen some of the elements of this drama where the wife is, is killing herself, taking care of her of her husband, who she loves dearly, and and uh, and it's it's an interesting case too, where he seems to come to life when he's in front of a crowd, like when he was a football star, right? And so he's caught, he's got a foundation, and he's pushing to help other people with ALS, and there are all sorts of ways that he's trying to stay stay vital, um, and it's very very moving, and I've been thinking about it all day, so it did haunt me. Uh, since I saw it, but it, it is also slick and, and manipulative. Right. It, 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 it's not, um, I mean, you talk about like a movie with an agenda. I mean, it's very much designed in many ways to kind of push the, the value of, of this guy's story as this organization. It's, it's, it's a nice 
uh, kind of survival tale in that sense, and it's inspiring, but it's not, um, you know, next level f- filmmaking. And no. So, but so they're taking his footage that he created, and they're adding a few talking heads to it. So he's been shooting his own life. And so the best stuff, of course, are these very naked, very candid. He shows you things you wouldn't necessarily want to see about what happens, you know, to someone in this situation. And really good conversations with his wife and his father. But some of it feels staged. You know, that's always the risk. Right. And and then the other movie that I, w- I would say kind of walks that line, which is in this conversation, we've talked about it before, Life Animated, it's a, another movie about somebody suffering from a, a certain kind of disease, in this case autism, who overcomes it in an inspiring kind of way, and the filmmaking I think is maybe somewhat better, somewhat stronger. It's a, I would agree, better, I would agree, that movie feels like more of an Oscar contender to me. I think they picked, Amazon picked up Gleason out of Sundance, and I think they can make a commercial hit out of it. I think it's a crowd pleaser. I think it's going to play well. So that's, you know, that's the secret story there with Gleason. Whereas I think, um, I, I, I would say that, that uh, Life Animated is a much, uh, is, is a perfectly tailored for, for, for an Oscar contender, I would say. Well, so so where does that leave other things? It's still kind of unclear how this field is going to shake down. I mean, there could be there could be more in the fall season that people are talking about, but it's it does seem like the way that we describe it right now. If these movies are are so uncertain uh, in that sense, does, then OJ could really just push all the way to to the top of it. Well, so. there's some there's some other movies out of Sundance. Uh, several documentaries broke out, um, which, you know, like last year, it was what happened to Simone or Cartel Land. This year, there's, there's Wiener, right? Your, your favorite movie uh, of yes. the year. You know, what's funny is I keep forgetting about Wiener. It's my favorite movie of the year released so far. I mean, things will move around and stuff like that. I thought it was a good statement to put that up front because it's just such, a, it's such an unexpected blast, you know, something like that. But uh, it's, uh, what I think is... Fascinating about it is that I, I don't automatically think about it with relation to Oscar season because it's such an insular kind of joke in a way. The, this but it's a hit. Farce. It's, it's actually it is, got done it well. But is it the kind of hit that wins that wins Oscars? I mean, it's it's so it's so. Well, it won the U.S. Grand Jury Prize. Yeah, I mean, it was it's yeah. a great piece of filmmaking. I'd love to see it go all the way. I mean, I, I like the O.J. film quite a bit too, and I think that would be fascinating. So if it's between those two, we're looking at perhaps our first serious uh, kind of throwdown in that sense. I mean, these are No, no, look, look, we're, we're at a very early stage here. So basically... Always the, trying to slow me down before I historical, make a big statement. No, oh, no. Historically, though, historically, though, the, 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 the Sundance docs do well. You know, they, they last. And they get a lot of head of steam. Uh, so maybe, maybe it is between Wiener and OJ. Maybe you're right. There's also Jim the James Foley story. There's Under the Gun, which was about gun control. There's, uh, you know, Norman Lear, Just Another Version of You, which is just opening. It just opened in New York and is hitting L.A. this week, which is another crowd pleaser that could play well to the Academy. It could play well to the older folks um, in the Academy, although it did get some criticism for using too many sort of friendly talking heads. Did you see that one? I'm trying to remember if I did. <laughs> it's Rachel Lear. Grady and Heidi. Uh, yes. Uh, it was opening it was night opening at Sundance. Opening night at Sundance. I, I, kind of, I kind of forgot about it. I, I did see it. I mean, I thought it was fine. I mean, it's, uh, it's very much, 
hagiographic in the sense that it's just sort of it's showing you how awesome he is. It doesn't really dig deeper into to his persona in that sense. So it felt a little light. But I, but I, I think, think it's that a, it's the talking heads from George Clooney and the politics yeah, and all that that sort of contribute to that. They actually, they actually did get get into what a workaholic asshole he was. I mean, he 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 copped to a lot of that stuff. Well, when you know? he cops, it's one thing. I mean, it's just sort of the movie is very. It, it does a good job, I think, overall of just sort of summarizing his cultural value and and how he's remained so. He's been able to persevere into, you know, he's in his 90s. 93 years yeah, old. That, We've that got some, a show in, in so the that, works right now. I mean, that could yeah. sneak I could see too. that one playing yeah. playing well to, to that to that group. But but I guess what I'm saying, where, where we are right now is you and I are, are preparing to to um, hit the fall circuit with Telluride and, and Toronto, followed by New York and AFI. You know, it's all going to play out the way uh, it always does, and there will be more uh, there will be more movies emerging during this period. Well, and we're starting to hear little things here and there, which is not to say anything in particular, but the while the Telluride and Toronto lineups aren't finalized and we don't We're starting exactly. to figure out what might what might be uh, going where, and and that is fascinating. Um, There's so I mean, much have, competitiveness between these different fall festivals and the way that they end up pos being positioned in these conversations, and that seems to inform a lot of stuff now. As well, tell you right, over the years has developed the, the the reputation for being the sort of Oscar watcher, you know, the the gatekeeper for the real. Uh, contenders and Toronto, which is you know hoping to play that role, and often has played that role, and will continue to do so. But it has a much broader uh, canvas, and so it isn't as curated. And so they don't. It, it it feels like there's a lot of of other kinds of movies that show up at Toronto, but it still it still plays that role too. Um, but Tell Telluride is the real and Venice. Like La La Land is so La La opening Land. night. Opening night at, at, at the Venice Film Festival, which in previous years has opened with Gravity. It's opened with Birdman. Obviously, things worked out well for those movies. So that sends some kind of message about La La Land, which is not to say that this movie is a lock at Telluride and Toronto and New York Film Festival, and it's going to play everywhere like that. Just that there's something about this movie that allows it to be positioned in that kind of way. So My sense is that it will be at those other festivals, and um, and if not all three, uh, at this point people don't know. It's interesting. People sort of know what what's where Telluride and Toronto are heading. It's New York that's the big question. So right. what will be the New York the opening is that night of New York kind of thing, yeah. right? And there there are a few other kind of studio possibilities. I mean, who knows? Maybe the Scorsese movie could could no, make its way no. there. So what's happening there is that the Scorsese Scorsese and um, is going to be at the end of the year, December. and it, 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 and, it, and Fences, the Denzel Washington, will be at the end of the year. Those are two Paramount films, and there's no way they will be done in time for any of the festivals. They're going to be strictly. Oh, by the way, the Weinstein's are playing some of their games. Um, first, they booked you know three movies into the summer that were obviously in their own mind not going to be Oscar contenders. So that includes Hands of Stone, which showed at Cannes, which is the fighting picture with De Niro and, Mar and Edgar Ramirez, which I saw in Cannes is 
not a good movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. To say the and, least. Yeah, along the lines of South Southpaw, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then and then so it belongs in the summer. That's what they should do with it. And then the uh the Tulips movie with Alicia Vikander. Tulip fever. Thank you. Pushed to that February. movie has been pushed to February, which and tells you everything which is you another need to know. sign that it's not, you know, obviously not what they wanted <laughs> uh, to play up. And then, uh, so so then they had the founder, which is a uh, Michael, Michael Keaton, Keaton movie, where he is movie. the McDonald's founder, Roy Kroc, whatever his name is, and so that has been moved into the uh, award. Uh, season fray and and in in December and that's interesting you know so are they skipping the fall festivals are they giving it a one week qualifying run which doesn't cost that much money and then they're going wide in January so this is a half in half out kind of thing where presumably they're going to push Keaton get as much bang for their buck from uh, the press and the media for that and then and see where they see where they Even land. Even if the movie, I mean, you look at the marketing materials that are starting to come out. It's really hard to tell if the movie's any good. If Keaton is good enough, given the kind of track record of the last two years, you could see a case being made that a good campaign could get him a nomination, right? That's right. Sort of- and John Hancock is a very good director. You know, he he does well. He does well. So um, so and you have you know that would be the third uh, you know basic you know, nomination in a row for, for Keaton, who's, who can be qualified as a, as a perennial (laughs) at this point. So, uh, figuring there's goodwill for him and he's always good, you know? So, all right. Then we have, um, coming up, uh, the question mark is, is, is the, is the movie Allied, which is another Paramount movie directed by Bob Zemeckis. And we don't know if that's going to be a commercial movie that or whether I maybe not the fall festivals for that one. It depends on when it's uh, finished. And you have Billy Lynn's half t- long halftime walk from Ang Lee, which is totally. I mean, every festival wants that movie. Of course. Every festival. I mean, asking. and every festival wants to have the big three D extravaganza with effects. It's actually a smart kind of a thing. I mean, it was Life of Pi a few years ago. This one is more uh, fast frame rate uh, thing. It has to do. He shot the whole thing with a super fast frame rate, and and then, in other words, it's not 24 frames a second. It's much faster than that. And uh, but he's only going to use it for certain sections of the movie that are that are distorted. And from his point of, this is a, a PTSD veteran who's come back to to uh, be, you know get a hero's welcome and uh, uh, after being in the war. So he's he's a uh, that's that's going to be interesting to see, and I trust Ang Lee. Yeah, they well, all want it. Well, the one that I'm really excited about. And by the uh, way, the New York Film Festival did put Life of Pi in there. So right, exactly. They opened with yeah, that, and it yeah. worked out really well. But uh, I've been hearing some interesting stuff about Arrival, this uh, Denis Villeneuve film, which stars Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner. It's a sci-fi that's movie. That's Paramount, but, and yeah. I believe that's going to be at the fall festivals. Yeah, that's that's, that's my impression. Not a ton of people are talking about it, but you know. Villeneuve's uh, prisoners showed up on the fall festivals and didn't really generate buzz until then. When it when it came to Telluride, suddenly it was sort of part of that conversation. And it's not that it went all the way, but it, it started out pretty strong. People really responded to it. And this is, you know, sort of a smart sci-fi movie in the fall season. Those tend to do well when and people Sicario like it. And Sicario did amazingly well, considering what a, what is I mean, it was finally defeated by its genre right. elements, but right. as I suspected, it would be all along, but it did very well, considering that. 
You're right, exactly. So super curious about that one. But The gosh. Light Between Oceans is another one I'm curious about. DreamWorks Disney. Um, you know, That's maybe just Derek the performances. Derek Friends' new movie, his biggest movie to date. It's been a couple years. And with Michael Fassbender. Yeah, good cast. And, you know, really Alicia Vikander curious. again, the, the it girl, the Oscar winner. Right, exactly. So that, that's definitely Looks like a tearjerker. Rachel Weisz is in it. So we'll see. So all Pat kinds of different things. But, you know... There's a Warren to... Beatty movie from, from yeah, Fox. Yeah, I was going to say, we haven't talked Rules about don't all the apply movies to, to Warren Beatty, you right? You just don't know. You just don't know with a lot of these different things. But... And Clint Eastwood has Sully with, with Tom Hanks, right. which could be just commercial or not. Yeah, but you never so know with Clint. So hard to you tell. You never know. And we haven't even started to talk about Ghostbusters and its Oscar possibilities. I think we can assume that they are <laughs> nil. What seems to be happening is that Kate McKinnon is breaking out as a movie star, this is a comedy so star. Unsurprising. I mean, she's I the best part of the movie, but man, that was so, of course. I mean, she's one of the funniest people working in America today. I mean, you look at, like I, I've, I've said before, if you look at what she did with these short films that she did during the Spirit Awards last year, really epitomized her ability to kind of be this sort of electric screen presence who's constantly funny even when she's not doing something that's funny in a specific way. It's just like she creates great characters and the essence of what she does in Ghostbusters is that every time the camera is on her, she's doing something amusing. She created this persona who's so out there and edgy and, and kind of hard to figure out that she's just, it's baffling and she carries the movie. I would watch a cut of this movie that I found kind of underwhelming that with just her and she deserves a spinoff. I mean, it's like Kate McKinnon should be a major movie star. Kristen Wiig, fine. She, you know, she's a talented actress, but the person who really should own this movie is actually, is actually her. So I think that's an interesting thing to come out of all of this is that, you know, we can pick apart the gender politics and the stupid misogynistic backlash to the movie and all these kinds of things. But it does seem like maybe it's giving us a movie star well past her due. I'm thrilled by that. And the other question will be, I mean, the thing that I hate is that because of all of this, you know, fan backlash and, and you know, all this sort of negativity around the movie, it tainted the uh, expectations and the, and, and the, and, and I, and it's carrying all this freight because it's a super expensive, you know, movie. So, so it has to open, it has to do well. It's a studio movie. And to the extent that the studios are always skittish about putting mo female movie stars in expensive movies, um, this is carrying a lot of baggage. And so I just pray that it does well enough uh, to support the idea that other uh, movies should be made, you know, maybe not this expensively. But, you know, you can't make a Ghostbusters sequel and not go the whole distance. They if, they, if it was all guys, they would have spent the money. And guess what? If it had failed, it, there would be no big whoop. But because women are in it and because of all this attention, it is, it is, in fact, important that it do well. Right, absolutely. I mean, I think the other, the other, the other thing to, to consider about, about all this is that uh, it's, it's a direct challenge to the assumption that Hollywood can't make movies like this because they don't make money, because it seems like it, it is a movie they can make money. And so the hope is that even a middling blockbuster like this could at least yield more movies like this and maybe some of them will end up being better so that 
we can stop having the same conversation year after year about Hollywood's diversity problem and all these kinds of things. So there's a progressiveness embedded in the release of this movie, even though I personally wasn't blown away by it. And I think those are two separate things. Um, but you haven't even seen it yet, so I don't want to get ahead of myself. You yeah, my vacation <laughs> definitely got in the way of my of my seeing uh, Ghost. I'm seeing it actually tomorrow night, um, so I will... I, I'm gonna we'll 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 look at the box office over the weekend and see see what happens. But um, we are keeping an eye on on Ghostbusters. There's Cafe Society opening. Finally, we saw it in in Cannes, um, where where uh, it was very controversial, <laughs> obviously. Uh, but I'm not. I don't get the sense that people are are, are still obsessing about uh, Ronan Farrow uh, at this point uh, and and his sister. I think I think we're uh, we're looking at the movie and whether it's going to do well. And uh, it looks like it'll come in in the middle somewhere under the great recent hits, uh, which include uh, Oscar winner Blue Jasmine and um, Midnight in Paris. Those are the sort of high marks and then, you know, not as bad as some of the recent entries. So I think it'll come in somewhere in the middle. And the and the other thing that, that I think is sort of fascinating about that is that it, it will continue these conversations about a company like Amazon, which as the fall season begins, is going to have also an award season role to play and so forth. So coming in somewhere in the middle, I guess, is better than coming in below expectations or something to that effect. So. I don't actually think, except for perhaps Vittorio Storaro, the cinematographer, I, I don't think this is going to be, I think it's going to get a, you know a range of reviews. And uh, I don't think it's going to be one, uh, you know, an Oscar contender uh, it's at not this an point. Oscar movie. I would say suggesting more just that it was something related to Amazon that that as as a company that got behind this movie in such a big public way um, that if they can do okay by it, then that should assuage other conversations about. But they spent twenty million dollars to pick it up, so they they they're going to hope to do to do some, some you could, serious. You could business. fund another Ghostbusters movie with that kind of money. You know uh, what I mean? So sixty-seven on Metascore for uh, for this shabby. movie. That's like a C plus almost, <laughs> C minus, I guess. Actually. No, it's still in the positive column. But you would like to see if you were an Oscar contender, you would want to see seventies at least a little, a little more, right? Yeah. So next week, I'm actually going to be gone, but you'll be around and you'll find somebody to talk about Ghostbusters and all these other kinds of things, rest assured. Uh, the, the screen talk conversations will continue and, and you'll keep up your Emmys conversations with Michael Schneider as, as those nominations are out as well. So many different things to consider as we continue forward for the complete mayhem. You're fall. going to Locarno as usual. You you I'll were very sweet and and made that uh, possible for me last year. So that was a that was really fun. Those were good to go. times. I'll, I'll do Locarno in early August. I'll do. Uh, gosh, uh, I, I guess that's my next big trip. But you know, after that, we're basically. So you're into not the on fall. vacation when you go to Locarno. When I go to Locarno, I run the Critics Academy there. But eventually. Eventually, I'll take vacation. So, it's where are you going concept. on? So, where are you going on vacation now? Well, right now I'm going to Chile for a week. So you won't be hearing from me for, from me for a little while. I'm going to take some time in wine country and not think about the uh, inevitable uh, busyness around the corner. But when I get back, we're going to have a lot to discuss because you'll have to bring me up to speed on all the things that are going to happen over the course of the next week. You got it. Have fun. Thanks. Thanks.